chapter four part one of the life of washington volume four by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four part one differences between great britain and the united states mr adams appointed minister to great britain discontents excited by the commercial regulations of britain parties in the united states the convention at annapolis virginia appoints deputies to a convention at philadelphia general washington chosen one of them insurrection at massachusetts convention at philadelphia a form of government submitted to the respective states as ratified by eleven of them correspondence of general washington respecting the chief magistracy he is elected president meeting of the first congress seventeen eighty three to seventeen eighty seven misunderstandings between great britain and the united states while the friends of the national government were making these unavailing efforts to invest it with a revenue which might enable it to preserve the national faith many causes concurred to prepare the public mind for some great and radical change in the political system of america scarcely had the war of the revolution terminated when the united states and great britain reciprocally charged each other with violations of the treaty of peace on the construction of that part of the seventh article which stipulates against the destruction or carrying away of any negroes or other property of the american inhabitants a serious difference of opinion prevailed which could not be easily accommodated as men seldom allow much weight to the reasoning of an adversary the construction put upon that article by the cabinet of london was generally treated in america as a mere evasion and the removal of the negroes who had joined the british army on the faith of a proclamation offering them freedom was considered as a flagrant breach of faith in addition to this circumstance the troops of his britannic majesty still retained possession of the posts on the american side of the great lakes as those posts gave their possessors a decided influence over the warlike tribes of indians in their neighborhood this was a subject to which the united states were peculiarly sensible on the other hand the united states were charged with infringing the fourth fifth and sixth articles which contain agreements respecting the payment of debts the confiscation of property and prosecution of individuals for the part taken by them during the war on the fourteenth of january seventeen eighty four the day on which the definitive articles were ratified congress passed a resolution containing a recommendation in the words of the treaty respecting confiscated property which was transmitted without delay to the several states they considered this resolution as merely formal and contended that neither the american nor the british government expected from it any beneficial results but other stipulations which are explicit the performance of which was not to rest on the recommendation of the government especially that respecting the payment of debts were also neglected these causes of mutual complaint being permitted to rankle for some time in the bosoms of both nations produced a considerable degree of irritation the british merchants had large credits in america those engaged in the colonial trade had been nearly ruined by the rupture between the two countries and without taking into the account the embarrassments in which the war had involved their debtors they calculated after the restoration of peace on the prompt collection of the vast sums which were due to them but the impediments to the recovery of debts were in many instances permitted to remain and the dispositions manifested by those states in which they were chiefly due did not authorize a belief that any favorable change of measures was about to take place 
the complaints of the creditors were loud and incessant they openly charged the american government with violating the most solemn obligations which public and private contract could create and this charge affected the national character the more seriously because the terms of the treaty were universally deemed highly advantageous to the united states the recriminations on the part of individuals in america were also uttered with the angry vehemence of men who believed themselves to be suffering unprovoked injuries the negroes in possession of the british armies at the restoration of peace belonged in many cases to actual debtors and in all to persons who required the labor of which they were thus deprived to repair the multiplied losses produced by the war to the detention of the posts on the lakes was ascribed the hostile temper manifested by the indians and thus to the indignity of permitting a foreign power to maintain garrisons within the limits of the nation were superadded the murders perpetrated by the savages and the consequent difficulty of settling the fertile and vacant lands of the west on the northeastern frontier too the british were charged with making encroachments on the territory of the united states on that side the river st croix from its source to its mouth in the bay of passamaquoddy is the boundary between the two nations three rivers of that name empty into the bay the americans claimed the most eastern as the real st croix while settlements were actually made under the authority of the government of nova scotia to the middle river and the town of st andrews was established on its banks mr adams appointed to negotiate with the british cabinet but the cause of most extensive disquiet was the rigorous commercial system pursued by great britain while colonists the americans had carried on a free and gainful trade with the british west indies those ports were closed against them as citizens of an independent state and their accustomed intercourse with other parts of the empire also was interrupted by the navigation act to explore new channels for the commerce of the nation was in the actual state of things opposed by obstacles which almost discouraged the attempt on every side they met with rigorous and unlooked-for restrictions their trade with the colonies of other powers as well as with those of england was prohibited and in all the ports of europe they encountered regulations which were extremely embarrassing from the mediterranean they were excluded by the barbary powers whose hostility they had no force to subdue and whose friendship they had no money to purchase thus the characteristic enterprise of their merchants which in better times has displayed their flag in every ocean was then in a great measure restrained from exerting itself by the scantiness of their means these commercial difficulties suggested the idea of compelling great britain to relax the rigor of her system by opposing it with regulations equally restrictive but to render success in such a conflict possible it was necessary that the whole power of regulating commerce should reside in a single legislature few were so sanguine as to hope that thirteen independent governments jealous of each other could be induced to concur for a length of time in measures capable of producing the desired effect with many therefore the desire of counteracting a system which appeared to them so injurious triumphed over their attachment to state sovereignty and the converts to the opinion that congress ought to be empowered to regulate trade were daily multiplied meanwhile the united states unremitting in their endeavors to form commercial treaties in europe three commissioners had been appointed for that purpose and at length as the trade with england was peculiarly important and the growing misunderstandings between the two countries threatened serious consequences should their adjustment be much longer delayed mr john adams was appointed minister plenipotentiary to the court of st james his endeavors to form a commercial treaty were not successful his overtures were declined by the cabinet of london because the government of the united states was unable to secure the observance of any general commercial regulations 
and it was deemed unwise to enter into stipulations which could not be of reciprocal obligation in fact it is not probable that had even this difficulty been surmounted britain could have been induced to grant advantages that would have been satisfactory to america the latter expected great relaxations of the navigation act and a free admission into the colonies of the former and believed its commerce of sufficient importance to obtain these objects if it could be regulated by a single legislature the reflecting part of america did not require this additional evidence of the sacrifice which had been made of national interest on the altars of state jealousy to demonstrate the defectiveness of the existing system on the mind of no person had this impression been more strongly made than on that of general washington his extensive correspondence bears ample testimony to the solicitude with which he contemplated the proceedings of the states on this interesting subject the opinion he sought to inculcate was that the trade between the united states and great britain was equally important to each and therefore that a commercial intercourse between the two nations might be established on equal terms if the political arrangements in america would enable its government to guard its interests but without such arrangements those interests could not be protected and america must appear in a very contemptible point of view to those with whom she was endeavouring to form commercial treaties without possessing the means of carrying them into effect who must see and feel that the union or the states individually are sovereign as best suits their purposes in a word that we are one nation to-day and thirteen to-morrow who he added will treat with us on such terms about this time general washington received a long and affectionate letter from the marquis de lafayette who had just returned from a tour through the north of europe in communicating the occurrences at the courts he had visited and especially that of prussia whose aged and distinguished monarch uniting the acquirements of the scholar and the statesman with the most profound skill in the art of war could confer either literary or military fame he dwelt with enthusiasm on the plaudits which were universally bestowed on his military patron and paternal friend i wish he added the other sentiments i have had occasion to discover with respect to america were equally satisfactory with those that are personal to yourself i need not say that the spirit the firmness with which the revolution was conducted has excited universal admiration that every friend to the rights of mankind is an enthusiast for the principles on which those constitutions are built but i have often had the mortification to hear that the want of powers in congress of union between the states of energy and their government would make the confederation very insignificant but their conduct in the revolution he added the citizens of america have commanded the respect of the world but it grieves me to think they will in a measure lose it unless they strengthen the confederation give congress power to regulate their trade pay off their debt or at least the interest of it establish a well-regulated militia and in a word complete all those measures which you have recommended to them unhappily for us said the general in reply though the reports you mention are greatly exaggerated our conduct has laid the foundation for them it is one of the evils of democratic governments that the people not always seeing and frequently misled must often feel before they act right but evils of this nature seldom fail to work their own cure it is to be lamented nevertheless that the remedies are so slow and that those who wish to apply them seasonably are not attended to before they suffer in person in interest and in reputation i am not without hopes that matters will soon take a favourable turn in the federal constitution the discerning part of the community have long since seen the necessity of giving adequate powers to congress for national purposes and those of a different description must yield to it ere long discontents of the americans against the commercial regulations of britain 
while the recommendation of the thirtieth of april seventeen eighty four was before the states many causes contributed to diffuse through the community such a general dissatisfaction with the existing state of things as to prepare the way for some essential change in the american system in the course of the long war which had been carried on in the bosom of their country the people of the united states had been greatly impoverished their property had been seized for the support of both armies and much of their labor had been drawn from agriculture for the performance of military service the naval power of their enemy had almost annihilated their commerce from which resulted the twofold calamity that imported commodities were enhanced to an enormous price while those for exportation were reduced much below their ordinary value the inevitable consequence was that those consumable articles which habit had rendered necessary were exhausted and peace found the american people not only destitute of the elegancies and even of the conveniences of life but also without the means of procuring them otherwise than by anticipating the proceeds of future industry on opening their ports an immense quantity of foreign merchandise was introduced into the country and they were tempted by the sudden cheapness of imported goods and by their own wants to purchase beyond their capacities for payment into this indiscretion they were in some measure beguiled by their own sanguine calculations on the value which a free trade would bestow on the produce of their soil and by a reliance on those evidences of the public debt which were in the hands of most of them so extravagantly too did many estimate the temptation which equal liberty and vacant lands would hold out to emigrants from the old world as to entertain the opinion that europe was about to empty itself into america and that the united states would derive from that source such an increase of population as would enhance their lands to a price heretofore not even conjectured cooperating with the cause last mentioned was the impression which had been made by paper money on public morals and on public opinion it had not escaped observation that every purchaser on credit however excessive the price might apparently be had not only been relieved by the depreciation but had derived great gains from his contract speculating on a similar course of things many individuals had made extensive purchases at high prices and had thus contributed to continue for a time the deception imposed on themselves by those who supposed that the revolution was a talisman whose magic powers were capable of changing the nature of things the delusive hopes created by these visionary calculations were soon dissipated and a great proportion of the inhabitants found themselves involved in debts they were unable to discharge one of the consequences resulting from this unprosperous state of things was a general discontent with the course of trade it had commenced with the native merchants of the north who found themselves incapable of contending in their own ports with foreigners and was soon communicated to others the gazettes of boston contained some very animated and angry addresses which produced resolutions for the government of the citizens of that town applications to their state legislature a petition to congress a circular letter to the merchants of the several seaports throughout the united states after detailing the disadvantages under which the trade and navigation of america labored and expressing their confidence that the necessary powers to the federal government would be soon if not already delegated the petition to congress thus concludes impressed with these ideas your petitioners beg leave to request of the very august body which they have now the honor to address that the numerous impositions of the british on the trade and exports of these states may be forthwith contravened by similar expedients on our part else may it please your excellency and honors the commerce of this country and of consequence its wealth 
and perhaps the union itself may become victims to the artifice of a nation whose arms have been in vain exerted to accomplish the ruin of america the merchants of the city of philadelphia presented a memorial to the legislature of that state in which after lamenting it as a fundamental defect in the constitution that full and entire power over the commerce of the united states had not been originally vested in congress as no concern common to many could be conducted to a good end but by a unity of councils they say hence it is that the intercourses of the states are liable to be perplexed and injured by various and discordant regulations instead of that harmony of measures on which the particular as well as general interests depend productive of mutual disgust and alienation among the several members of the empire but the more certain inconveniences foreseen and now experimentally felt flow from the unequal footing this circumstance puts us on with other nations by which we stand in a very singular and disadvantageous situation for while the whole of our trade is laid open to these nations they are at liberty to limit us to such branches of theirs as interest or policy may dictate unrestrained by any apprehensions as long as the power remains severally with the states of being met and opposed by any consistent and effectual restrictions on our part this memorial prayed that the legislature would endeavor to procure from congress a recommendation to the several states to vest in that body the necessary powers over the commerce of the united states it was immediately taken into consideration and resolutions were passed conforming to its prayer similar applications were made by other commercial towns from these proceedings and from the general representations made by the american merchants general washington had augured the most happy effects in a letter to the marquis de lafayette he thus expressed his hope of the consequences which would attend the efforts then making to enlarge the powers of congress however unimportant america may be considered at present and however britain may affect to despise her trade there will assuredly come a day when this country will have some weight in the scale of empires but a concurrence of the states in granting to the general government the beneficial powers in question was not so near being effected as was hoped by its friends a resolution was moved in congress recommending it to the several states to vest in that body full authority to regulate their commerce both external and internal and to impose such duties as might be necessary for that purpose this power was to be fettered with several extraordinary limitations which might render it more acceptable to the governments who were asked to bestow it among which was a provision that the duty should be collectible under the authority and accrue to the use of the state in which the same should be made payable notwithstanding these restrictions marking the keen-sighted jealousy with which any diminution of state sovereignty was watched this resolution encountered much opposition even in congress during these transactions the public attention was called to another subject which served to impress still more powerfully on every reflecting mind the necessity of enlarging the powers of the general government were it only to give efficacy to those which in theory it already possessed the uneasiness occasioned by the infractions of the treaty of peace on the part of great britain has been already noticed to obtain its complete execution constituted one of the objects for which mr adams had been deputed to the court of st james a memorial presented by that minister in december seventeen eighty five urging the complaints of america and pressing for a full compliance with the treaty was answered by an enumeration of the violations of that compact on the part of the united states 
the marquis of carmarthen acknowledged explicitly the obligation created by the seventh article to withdraw the british garrisons from every post within the united states but insisted that the obligation created by the fourth article to remove every lawful impediment to the recovery of bona fide debts was equally clear and explicit the engagements entered into by a treaty ought he said to be mutual and equally binding on the respective contracting parties it would therefore be the height of folly as well as injustice to suppose one party alone obliged to a strict observance of the public faith while the other might remain free to deviate from its own engagements as often as convenience might render such deviation necessary though at the expense of its own credit and importance he concluded with the assurance that whenever america should manifest a real determination to fulfil a part of the treaty great britain would not hesitate to prove her sincerity to cooperate in whatever points depended upon her for carrying every article of it into real and complete effect this letter was accompanied by a statement of the infractions of the fourth article copies of both documents were immediately transmitted by mr adams to congress by whom they were referred to mr jay the secretary for foreign affairs the report of that upright minister did not by contravening facts affect to exculpate his country some of the facts said he in a letter to general washington written after permission to communicate the papers had been given are inaccurately stated and improperly coloured but it is true true that the treaty has been violated on such occasions i think it better fairly to confess and correct errors than attempt to deceive ourselves and others by fallacious though plausible palliations and excuses to oppose popular prejudices to censure the proceedings and expose the impropriety of states is an unpleasant task but it must be done that the united states might with reason be required to fulfil the treaty before they could entitle themselves to demand a strict performance of it on the part of great britain was a position the propriety of which they were prevented from contesting by the miserably defective organization of the government if their treaties were obligatory in theory the inability of congress to enforce their execution had been demonstrated in practice restrained by this defect in the constitution from insisting that the evacuation of the western posts should precede the removal of the impediments to the bona fide execution of the treaty on the part of america government exerted its earnest endeavours to prevail on the several states to repeal all existing laws which might be repugnant to that compact the resolutions which were passed on that subject and the circular letters which accompanied them to the several governors contain arguments which ought to have demonstrated to all the constitutional obligation of a treaty negotiated under the authority of congress and the real policy as well as the moral duty of faithfully executing that which had been formed with great britain to the deep mortification of those who respected the character of the nation these earnest representations did not produce the effect which was expected from them it was impolitic and unfortunate if not unjust in these states said general washington to a member of congress by whom the objectionable conduct of america was first intimated to him to pass laws which by fair construction might be considered as infractions of the treaty of peace it is good policy at all times to place one's adversary in the wrong had we observed good faith and the western posts had been withheld from us by great britain we might have appealed to god and man for justice what a misfortune it is said he in reply to the secretary for foreign affairs that the british should have so well grounded a pretext for their palpable infractions and what a disgraceful part out of the choice of difficulties built for us are we to act rise of parties in the united states the discontents arising from the embarrassments in which individuals were involved continued to increase 
at length two great parties were formed in every state which were distinctly marked and which pursued distinct objects with systematic arrangement the one struggled with unabated zeal for the exact observance of public and private engagements by those belonging to it the faith of a nation or of a private man was deemed a sacred pledge the violation of which was equally forbidden by the principles of moral justice and of sound policy the distresses of individuals were they thought to be alleviated only by industry and frugality not by a relaxation of the laws or by a sacrifice of the rights of others they were consequently the uniform friends of a regular administration of justice and of a vigorous course of taxation which would enable the state to comply with its engagements by a natural association of ideas they were also with very few exceptions in favor of enlarging the powers of the federal government and of enabling it to protect the dignity and character of the nation abroad and its interests at home the other party marked out for themselves a more indulgent course viewing with extreme tenderness the case of the debtor their efforts were unceasingly directed to his relief to exact a faithful compliance with contracts was in their opinion a harsh measure which the people would not bear they were uniformly in favor of relaxing the administration of justice of affording facilities for the payment of debts or of suspending their collection and of remitting taxes the same course of opinion led them to resist every attempt to transfer from their own hands into those of congress powers which by others were deemed essential to the preservation of the union in many of these states the party last mentioned constituted a decided majority of the people and in all of them it was very powerful the emission of paper money the delay of legal proceedings and the suspension of the collection of taxes were the fruits of their rule wherever they were completely predominant even where they failed to carry their measures their strength was such as to encourage the hope of succeeding in a future attempt and annual elections held forth to them the prospect of speedily repairing the loss of a favorite question throughout the union the contest between these parties was periodically revived and the public mind was perpetually agitated with hopes and fears on subjects which essentially affected the fortunes of a considerable proportion of the society these contests were the more animated because in the state governments generally no principle had been introduced which could resist the wild projects of the moment give the people an opportunity to reflect and allow the good sense of the nation time for exertion this uncertainty with respect to measures of great importance to every member of the community this instability in principles which ought if possible to be rendered immutable produced a long train of ills and is seriously believed to have been among the operating causes of those pecuniary embarrassments which at that time were so general as to influence the legislation of almost every state in the union its direct consequence was the loss of confidence in the government and in individuals this so far as respected the government was peculiarly discernible in the value of state debts the war having been conducted by nations in many respects independent of each other the debts contracted in its prosecution were due in part from the united states and in part from the individual states who became immediately responsible to the creditors retaining their claim against the government of the union for any balances which might appear to be due on a general settlement of accounts that the debt of the united states should have greatly depreciated will excite no surprise when it is recollected that the government of the union possessed no funds and without the assent of jealous and independent sovereigns could acquire none to pay the accruing interest 
that the depreciation of the debt due from those states which made an annual and adequate provision for the interest can be ascribed only to a want of confidence in the governments which were controlled by no fixed principles and it is therefore not entirely unworthy of attention in many of those states which had repelled every attempt to introduce into circulation a depreciated medium of commerce or to defeat the annual provision of funds for the payment of the interest the debt sunk in value to ten five and even less than four shillings in the pound however unexceptionable might be the conduct of the existing legislature the hazard from those which were to follow was too great to be encountered without an immense premium in private transactions an astonishing degree of distrust also prevailed the bonds of men whose ability to pay their debts was unquestionable could not be negotiated but at a discount of thirty forty and fifty per centum real property was scarcely vendable and sales of any article for ready money could be made only at a ruinous loss the prospect of extricating the country from these embarrassments was by no means flattering whilst everything else fluctuated some of the causes which produced this calamitous state of things were permanent the hope and fear still remained that the debtor party would obtain the victory at the elections and instead of making the painful effort to obtain relief by industry and economy many rested all their hopes on legislative interference the mass of national labour and of national wealth was consequently diminished in every quarter were found those who asserted it to be impossible for the people to pay their public or private debts and in some instances threats were uttered of suspending the administration of justice by violence by the enlightened friends of republican government this gloomy state of things was viewed with deep chagrin many became apprehensive that those plans from which so much happiness to the human race had been anticipated would produce only real misery and would maintain but a short and a turbulent existence meanwhile the wise and thinking part of the community who could trace evils to their source laboured unceasingly to inculcate opinions favourable to the incorporation of some principles into the political system which might correct the obvious vices without endangering the free spirit of the existing institutions while the advocates for union were exerting themselves to impress its necessity on the public mind measures were taken in virginia which though originating in different views terminated in a proposition for a general convention to revise the state of the union to form a compact relative to the navigation of the rivers potomac and pocomoke and of part of the bay of chesapeake commissioners were appointed by the legislatures of virginia and maryland who assembled in alexandria in march seventeen eighty five while at mount vernon on a visit they agreed to propose to their respective governments the appointment of other commissioners with power to make conjoint arrangements to which the assent of congress was to be solicited for maintaining a naval force in the chesapeake and to establish a tariff of duties on imports to which the laws of both states should conform when these propositions received the assent of the legislature of virginia an additional resolution was passed directing that which respected the duties on imports to be communicated to all the states in the union who were invited to send deputies to the meeting on the twenty first of january seventeen eighty six a few days after the passage of these resolutions another was adopted appointing certain commissioners who were to meet such as might be appointed by the other states in the union at a time and place to be agreed on to take into consideration the trade of the united states to examine the relative situation and trade of the said states to consider how far a uniform system in their commercial relations may be necessary to their common interest and their permanent harmony 
and to report to the several states such an act relative to this great object as when unanimously ratified by them will enable the united states in congress assembled effectually to provide for the same in the circular letter transmitting these resolutions to the respective states annapolis and maryland was proposed as the place and the ensuing september as the time of meeting before the arrival of the period at which these commissioners were to assemble the idea was carried by those who saw and deplored the complicated calamities which flowed from the intricacy of the general government much further than was avowed by the resolution of virginia although said one of the most conspicuous patriots of the revolution in a letter to general washington dated the sixteenth of march seventeen eighty six you have wisely retired from public employments and calmly view from the temple of fame the various exertions of that sovereignty and independence which providence has enabled you to be so greatly and gloriously instrumental in securing to your country yet i am persuaded you cannot view them with the eye of an unconcerned spectator experience has pointed out errors in our national government which call for correction and which threaten to blast the fruit we expected from our tree of liberty the convention proposed by virginia may do some good and perhaps do more if it comprehended more objects an opinion begins to prevail that a general convention for revising the articles of confederation would be expedient whether the people are yet ripe for such a measure or whether the system proposed to be attained by it is only to be expected from calamity and commotion is difficult to ascertain i think we are in a delicate situation and a variety of considerations and circumstances give me uneasiness it is in contemplation to take measures for forming a general convention the plan is not matured if it should be well connected and take effect i am fervent in my wishes that it may comport with the line of life you have marked out for yourself to favour your country with your counsels on such an important and single occasion i suggest this merely as a hint for consideration in the moment of tranquillity and of real or imaginary security the mind delights to retrace the intricate path by which this point of repose has been attained the patriots who accomplished that great revolution which has given to the american people a national government capable of maintaining the union of the states and of preserving republican liberty must be gratified with the review of that arduous and doubtful struggle which terminated in the triumph of human reason and the establishment of that government even to him who was not an actor in the busy scene who enjoys the fruits of the labour without participating in the toils or the fears of the patriots who have preceded him the sentiments entertained by the most enlightened and virtuous of america at the eventful period between the restoration of peace and the adoption of our present free and effective constitution cannot be uninteresting our affairs said the same gentleman in a letter of the twenty seventh of june seem to lead to some crisis some revolution something that i cannot foresee or conjecture i am uneasy and apprehensive more so than during the war then we had a fixed object and though the means and time of obtaining it were often problematical yet i did firmly believe that we should ultimately succeed because i did firmly believe that justice was with us the case is now altered we are going and doing wrong and therefore i look forward to evils and calamities but without being able to guess at the instrument nature or measure of them that we shall again recover and things again go well i have no doubt such a variety of circumstances would not almost miraculously have combined to liberate and make us a nation for transient and unimportant purposes i therefore believe we are yet to become a great and respectable people but when or how only the spirit of prophecy can discern End of chapter 4, part 1